It's the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, brought to you by Shady Rays. Brad, my shades. SGPN is teaming up with Shady Rays for Shady May. Get 50% off your Shady Rays using promo code SGPN. Then go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com backslash shady for your chance to win $500. Brad, those are slick, man. Those look good. Dude, I'm loving them. I'm loving them already. So the NFL draft is behind us. Everybody is just drafting away, mock drafting or real drafting. I got some rookie drafts in the books already, and uh, we're going to talk about rookie drafts. The first thing we're going to talk about is some draft strategies as far as trade strategies. Then I'm going to go through my newest article, which is my updated Superflex rankings. And in the article, I, uh, I was able to talk, I tried to talk a little bit about my evaluation process and how uh, some tips on how you can you can do that. So first thing is, uh, Brad, let's talk a little bit about the tips. So what's one tip that you can give somebody going into the draft uh, if it's you know this is their first dynasty rookie draft? Yeah, look, for me, it's not a new thing. It's it's starting to become more and more popular, but it is that tier based drafting. So looking at the tier of guys that you like. And then using that to your advantage. So, if, for instance, if you're not a quarterback needy team, but let's say you need a wide receiver, looking at the the different ways you can get from, say, 102 or 103 back to 105 or 106 and adding draft capital for later in the draft or future drafts or whatever the situation is, don't trade outside of that tier, right? You want to go to kind of the last spot and take who falls type of deal. For this 2023 draft, depending on who you are, you're really probably looking at that tier break to be around the 106 or the 107 spot. Uh, right around, and the reason I say 106 or 107 is because I think Jordan Addison's kind of a volatile conversation right now. I don't think a lot of people are as high on him as what I know I am. So I include him in that group of seven. And anything after 107, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm just going to trade back and add capital, uh, capital or players, right? And, and use that strategy moving forward. It's always looking to add assets, right? I think it is the key. So, and the tiers are probably the better way to try to do that when you're looking at a rookie draft. Yeah, I saw Ryan McDowell talking about that a couple months ago when he said, you know, those are some league winning moves is when you go and grab a guy that you were going to draft four picks earlier, you get your guy plus a future second plus a 2.12 or a 301. Those are that's that's how you, you know, maximize your picks and and I want to tell everybody about my my tip is to don't forget about future picks. They're valuable too. And, you know, if Brad says, hey, man, I'll give you 306 or 301, I'm like, what about 2024 second? And you keep your, you know, third this year. That second's obviously more valuable, but Brad's a competing team and he wants picks now. So that might be something he will consider. And, you know, maybe I got to throw him my, my future 2024 third. But at the end of the day, I, I said, you know what? I dropped back from 110 to 204. Got the same guy that I wanted. Then I got a 2024 second that's in my back pocket. And at the trade deadline, if I'm not a contender, I already got a 2024 second and, and as part of my draft haul. But if you're a contender, that 2024 second, now it's even better. And now I can say, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna use this as a as a, a tool to help me, you know, get over the top and compete with the other contenders for, you know the veterans or whoever's being sold at the trade deadline. So don't forget about future picks. I think people get so focused on this year and they forget about it, you know? Um, and, and don't be afraid to trade up and get your guy. Um, I love trading back. Don't get me wrong. But like today 
I offered a trade and I was like, I, I want to get Jordan Addison. I don't want Quentin Johnson. And I know if I trade up to the next two picks, I'll either get JSN or Addison. I want a JSN or Addison. And the first guy didn't say anything. He just picked the second guy picked and then goes, Oh crap. I would have took that trade. And I was like, I'll still do it. If you give me Addison and don't raise the price. And he was like, deal. Done. <laughs> and so we, you know, he's like, I'll still accept it. So he accepted it. We got the deal done. I gave him 212. I moved up two spots from the 108 to the or the 109 to the 107. I got Addison. He got he got the 109 spot. And then I got, you know, uh 312. He got 212. So I felt happy about it. I got my guy. And uh I just, you know, I like Addison better than Johnston, and I was able to, to pull it off. Yep. Even if it's all right, I, I pulled a, a Jordan Addison. I, I targeted in uh, a league that you and I were actually drafting in today. And I knew I was going to take him at 106 regardless. I had the 104, the 106, uh, and the 111. And I was like, look, somebody wants him more than than I do. Um, so how do I – or uh, wants him less than I do, right? He's going to fall to me. I'm going to be able to take him in a little bit later. And you may have these two players that were involved swapped, but we basically swapped Miles Sanders and Marquise Brown for the 106 and the 107, right? So you could look at that either way, right? For me, I was running back needy at that point, and I had a wealth of wide receivers. I wanted to move one of those guys and be able to put Jordan Addison on my bench because it gives me a little bit more flexibility. But being able to just move back that one spot and even do a player swap on finding those teams that, hey, I'm running back needy, he's wide receiver needy, let's do a little flop, and then we each get who we want out of the draft as well is an easy way to get a deal done in draft also. So Let's uh, let's talk about our friends at Underdog, and then we're going to talk about what draft capital or landing spot mean as part of your evaluation. Yeah, absolutely. So we are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Plus, they have plenty of ways to win with the NBA, NHL, and MLB with their player prop parlay. So head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus of up to $100. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. So let's uh, scroll, scroll down a little bit for us, Brad. Um, so this is a great article by Mike Kosh. Uh, you can, it's uh, it's not on here, but I, I made sure to cite him on this. So he did a study that, that went over the last six seasons about hit rates. And so, um, you know, Mike, Mike talks about there's a 30% hit rate with top 12 quarterbacks and a, you know, a 50%, um, you know, it, it drops over 50%, um, in that time. So it's like uh, 12% if they're drafted in round two. And so if you've got a first round quarterback, you've got a higher chance of hitting. So you look at Will Levis. And so the question about Will Levis is, is he worth a first round pick? We'll talk about that here in a second. Running backs. You're looking at running backs drafted in the first round. There's a very good chance that they're going to hit. Uh, not every one of them hit. Clyde Edwards a lair. Rashad Penny. Um, but they're they're going to hit. Round two, round three, there's still a very good chance they're going to hit. It drops. And I know that recency bias, you're going to hear like Damian Pearson, Tyler Algier, like they were great last year. And like we can, we can, like day three running backs, it, it can happen. It's just less likely. And the further down the draft board, the less likely it is. And that's just based on history. And so, um, yeah, there, there could be one or two guys in this draft that do it. And, you know, running backs, you know, there was only so many running backs drafted in the first. There was like four running backs drafted in the first um, two rounds or three running backs drafted in the first two rounds. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like there's just a lot of them got pushed back. So you have to take that with a grain of salt a little bit because the running backs just keep going down and down the board. I mean, half the running backs drafted were drafted on day three. Um, at over half. Wide receivers, round one draft capital is obviously king. Um, as far as day three, the only guy that Mike found out that Mike, that Mike in his studies, the only day three guy that, that really was a, a hit for fantasy, a top 24 play was Monroe St. Brown in the last six drafts. So these, these receivers drafted late, it doesn't work out. And then tight ends, um, with your tight ends, 
just don't put expectations. Like Dalton Kincaid is probably going to get these huge expectations like Kyle Pitts, and people are going to get so mad when he puts up a, a good season and it wasn't a great season. And so don't draft Dalton Kincaid expecting him to be a top six fantasy tight end. If he's a top 12 tight end, that's pretty amazing because only four people have done it in the last two decades. Um, yeah, it's probably, I think it's doable, but is he going to be like an every week starter? Probably not, you know, maybe towards the end of the season. Um, I, I have high expectations for Kincaid, but my, like, I do, I think they're reasonable expectations. Like, I think he's going to be a good player. I think he's going to play a lot, but I don't think I can rely on him on a weekly, as a weekly starter, even though he's in the top 10 of my dynasty rankings. Um, this is some draft capital. This is just the, you know, the day, uh, day one and two guys, you can see the, the running backs. Um, so you had Bijan and Gibbs in the first round. You had second round, Zach Charbonnet, third round. You had four running backs in the third round, a chain Spears, Miller and Bigsby. Um, and then the rest were day three guys. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk about, um, landing spots. And so, um, I don't want to overreact to landing spots. I think it's appropriate to react. You have to, but moving a guy up that's in, you know, let's say your third tier of running backs from the bottom of the tier to the top of the tier is fine. But an example of overreacting is always going to be like Clyde Rizalair goes to the Chiefs. He was your sixth or seventh running back, and now he's your first. And, you know, you have like like an example of that would be like uh, Traylon Burks last year. He leapfrogged Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and all these other guys because he, you know, he had good draft capital, so that made sense. But he had a perceived better landing spot than those guys. And now you would, if you had Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, there's no way that anyone would even think about, you know, Traylon Burks in that deal. We saw Jerry Judy. Close. Yeah, we thought we saw Jerry Judy picked over Justin Jefferson. Um, you know, it just it happens every year. So. Um, we're going to get into my top five ranking. Here's uh, Mike Florio's winners. Um, I think it's, it's appropriate to put them on there. What do you think about this list, Brad? Yeah, I like the list. There's one name I would add to it, actually. And, I, you know, I think everybody was wondering what the Buffalo Bills were going to do. We've talked about running backs for them over the course of the years. We saw Zach Moss leave town. We saw, um, oh, my goodness, uh, went to uh, Houston. Devin Singletary. Uh, Devin Singletary out of town. James Cook's there. They bring in Damian Harris, and you're like, all right, James Cook, let's go. And they didn't add anybody. So I think that's a big deal for James Cook as a post-NFL draft winner as well. He, he's a guy that I wanted to go after in the offseason, but I was a little hesitant because, you know, he is that smaller 190-pound not, you know, guy. Uh, even though he's good at running between the tackles, you do worry about that a little bit. So I avoided it. And now I'm kind of kicking myself, wishing I'd have gone with my gut and done it. Well, and I'll, I'll say this. So there's, there's three veteran running backs that are lurking and there's a fourth. If you count Dalvin cook, uh, Dalvin cook potentially could be traded um, still. And uh, there was rumors today that he was being traded to the Miami dolphins that ended up, you know, not being a, the guy ended up taking it down, but then he like tried to like say like, well, it's it's still like a possibility, but somebody tried to report it today, but it wasn't an official account. Um, there's still possibility that you know teams could add somebody or make a move, but um, next tomorrow is the end of the. You should see a slew of of uh, signings of that last wave of free agency after tomorrow. As of tomorrow, the compensatory formula closes. So anybody that signs after tomorrow, as far as a, a free agent, will not count towards that. So you see a lot of teams like the Ravens and the Patriots every year. You're like, why do they have like five compensatory picks? Because they they know the formula. They they st- they study it. They use it. And tomorrow, and nobody will count. So like Kareem Hunt, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette are all guys that are lurking. Are they going to go and take somebody's job? Probably not. But can they go be a thorn in somebody's side? Like. Imagine Kareem Hunt goes to Washington with Eric Bieniemy. Yep. Gibson and Robinson. It's like, oh, come on, man. Like, it's not good for anybody. Leonard Fournette goes there. You know, he goes, he goes somewhere and, you know, goes to Buffalo. 
Damian Harris, poof, you're gone. And then you got, yeah. you know, um, James Cook is going to be, you know, not not on the field as much on first, second down. You know, Ezekiel Elliott could go back to the – He goes to Miami or something. You know, it's – it's it's there's a yeah. lot of – yeah, you know, so. There, there's a lot of stuff. So uh, we're going to get into the rankings, but before we do that, I just want to make sure that we give our friends a shout-out again over at Underdog Fantasy. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, Best Ball Mania. Four is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes, plus plenty of ways to win in NBA, NHL, and MLB with their player prop parlays. Head over to underdogfantasy.com, use promo code SGPN for 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Brad, you got the country, you got the Kentucky Derby for us? The Kentucky Derby is this weekend. My folks are coming into town, and I am very excited. It is that week, and the notorious OTB brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network for all of your Triple Crown bets. Plus, leave a review for the show wherever you get your podcast between now and Belmont Saturday on June the 10th, and you'll be entered into a drawing to win a canvas print of the Wolf's one-of-a-kind fallen Bob painting so get out there it is post time all right well let's uh let's get into the rankings uh unless you got anything else for us with shady rays yeah i got another pair of sunglasses here i can throw on while we're doing this well there we go the prizes are polarized and it it's messy i can't see the privacy screen when i've got them on so <laughs> we'll try the we'll try the aviators this time the uh, I wear my sunglasses at night doesn't necessarily fit, but and, they look slick. I thought Andrews, they look great. <laughs> so, yeah. so my yeah, my top no, five, no my top five super flex. I have Bijan Robinson still the number one spot. There's just there's a higher hit rate with running backs, and I get it that there's a longer shelf life with quarterbacks. We talked about it on Sun on Saturday. There's not going to be a long shelf life with a guy like Anthony Richardson if he's used the way we think he's going to be used. You look at Jalen Hurts and you look at, at Justin Fields, they've already missed time, already been banged up. Lamar Jackson missed time, banged up. Kyler Murray missed time, banged up. These, these things happen when you use the quarterback like a running back. They're not going to have a long career like Tom Brady when they're used, you know, when they're playing like a running back. I have Anthony Richardson at two, and I, I talked about it on Saturday. I just have him up there because of – really, because I, I think that even if everybody – let's say year one is a wash. Whether they play or don't play, I don't think any of these guys can be fantasy relevant. Stroud has a pretty awful um, receiving room over there. Uh, Young's is not much better. And these are not great offenses. And then you have Richardson, who I think has the best situation as far as – the, the talent around him, the coaching staff, and, you know, decent offensive line, Jonathan Taylor. But he may not even start until the middle of the season, may not start all year. And so if any of these guys start, Anthony Richardson, I think, is the only one that can start, you know, that can give that. But as far as upside, we know it. It comes down to the rushing. And if all these guys throw for, you know, uh, even if Young and Stroud throw for a little bit more, Richardson's uh, rushing is going to put him over them for fantasy. And – uh He's off the consensus number one. And then my fifth guy is Jameer Gibbs. Draft capital, receiving game. I think it speaks for itself that he's the number five. Yeah, mine are pretty darn close. I got a little bit difference. You know, I can't move. We talked about tiers earlier and how draft capital doesn't change. Doesn't necessarily mean you should change your tiers if you have a sound process. Uh, I'm not moving Anthony Richardson into the tier let alone above both of the guys that are in that tier. But he did move to the top of my second tier, so he is my QB3. Uh, so mine are B. John Robinson, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. Then I've got Anthony Richardson at four. Uh, and then I've got a conglomerate of guys, and it's a little, a little mini tier for me between your next three guys uh, on the list. And I, depending on situation, I take them in any order. It doesn't matter. And that's the Gibbs, JSN, and Jordan Addison tier. Yeah, I feel like um, like if somebody were to go JSN at six, I wouldn't, you know. And there, there's probably a, a cutoff between JSN and Addison, but I think J, I think Addison is closer to JSN than Quentin Johnston is to Addison. 
Uh, I think it's pretty, you know, I, I think it's pretty close between him and, and, uh, and JSN. And uh, you can see on the right, how I differ with ECR as I get a little further down the board, I differ even more. Um, and then my next grouping, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston, boom, 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 right there in the, in the, with the draft capital, Kendra Miller, probably the biggest surprise on the board. And he's at nine. And you're probably not going to have to take him at nine. You probably can get him at the uh, 11 or 12 spot, maybe the 201 in your Superflex draft based on my, my current drafts. And then Zay Flowers. Um, so this is a spot where if I can't get Addison and JSN, I'm sitting at eight. I'm trying to trade back to the bottom of the first, get another second or a future second, and then take any of these guys because they're all pretty close for me. Yep. Yeah, so this is pretty close to mine. I've got Kendra Miller a little bit lower. Uh, I've got him at 13. So if I could get him at 201, I would be really happy. Uh, The more I look at things and evaluate situations and his news kind of comes out, I do think there's a pretty good chance that he's going to elite frog Devin A-Chain for me, who is the the big running back that I have above him uh, currently. Uh, But it's the same grouping. Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnston, Dalton Kincaid. I've got Zach Charbonnet a little bit higher. You have Kendra Miller a little bit higher. So we are blocked off there. And then Devin A-Chain wraps it up. Our yeah, top and- 15 are the exact same top 15. Just a little bit of delta in that, really the 8 to 15 range. Yeah, and so with my uh, my 11th player is Dalton Kincaid. And, you know, in your tight end premium leagues, you know, I'd probably draw, I'd probably bring him up one or two spots. Um, then it's Roshan Johnson or Roshan Johnson at 12, Will Levis at 13, Devin A. Chain at 14, Zach Charbonnet at 15. And, uh, you know, for me, the reason I have Johnson so high, it's partly because I got the other guys lower and you don't have to get Johnson at 12. You can probably get him at 204, 205 based on the drafts that I've done, but he's, he's starting to creep up a little bit. A chain, 185 pounds. There's just not a lot of 185 fantasy football relevant running backs running around. And, uh, he's going to be an outlier if he hits it. Will Levis. I mean, I just, you got some concerns there. I can see why someone would take him over Johnson. Um, and then you got uh, Ty J Spears. I, I dropped him. Actually, I'm dead even on ECR, apparently. I thought I buried him. Um, but they say he's got, you know, some, the knee stuff's coming out. It's really not good. And so Pro Football Doc came out and talked about it. And he said he's going to have a really short NFL career. And I'm, I'm concerned he's behind you know, uh, he's behind Derrick Henry year one. And, you know, if, if Derrick Henry goes down, Tajay Spears gets, you know, then I'm, I'm an idiot. But if Derrick Henry doesn't go down, Tajay Spears loses his first year. And then he has, he starts his career next year. And then like, what do you get two, three years out of him? So I don't know. I'm just really, you know, concerned and it's a bad situation on that offense. And he's, and he's also a little small of a player, but I've met 19 RB seven, and that's probably why I'm higher on, on um, Johnson than the others. Charbonnet got, you know, put with Kenneth Walker, kind of a mess. Then you got um, Spears uh, is got the knee injury and a chain is got the, the size. And that's why, that's why I moved Johnson up and those guys down, even though that the other guys had better draft capital than he did. Yeah, I mean, I've got Roshan Johnson at 15, so I I get it. I just think you can get him, like you said, around that 204 right now. Um, It, I mean, is there a chance he's not the guy next year? Deonta Foreman on a one-year deal. Uh, Khalil Herbert's last last year, his rookie deal. So, I mean, the writing is on the wall that – if he actually comes in and plays like we think he can play, what we what the, his tape shows that he can play, I don't think there's a world where he's not at least given the opportunity to be the starting running back for the Chicago Bears next year. So I I, I totally get taking him in the back end of the first. I just I, Will Levis. I can't look. I know he went in like the second pick of the the second round, right? Pick thirty three or whatever it was. The Tennessee Titans and a couple other teams were reported trying to trade in to the back end of the first. They wanted to make him a first-round draft pick. There were just players on the board that the other teams were unwilling to pass on, right? So I, I, 
I get it. He's not a first-round draft pick, but I'm going to treat him kind of like one because the teams were trying to actively go up and get him. And I know it didn't happen, and Reddit told me, but it didn't happen, so it doesn't matter. But it does because the team believes that he should have been a first-round draft pick, and they are interested in giving him that opportunity. So I, I think – He's yeah. got to be moved into the first round. I, I can get behind that, you know, and, and, you know, with Johnson, I'll play, you know, devil's advocate, advocate against myself. I mean, he's a fifth round pick a fourth round pick. And so with a, with a fourth round pick like Damian Pierce, like Rashad white, like, uh, you know, a fifth round pick in Tyler Algier, even if they play well, let's say Johnson takes over the backfield halfway through the season and finish season strong, like Tyler Algier. The Bears could draft a running back next year in the third round and outseed him. So there, <laughs> it could happen. Absolutely. Um, and, but I, I just I think that this is a player that was hiding behind the shadows of B. John Robinson. And the more that I looked at his all of his stuff on on PFF and, and looking at his tape, I was like, this this guy's a much better catcher. And that I, I thought he, I didn't realize like you know, yards yards per route run was higher than I expected. Uh, he's got better hands than I expected. They had him lining out like he was run, you're coming out of the slot. They had one play where they lined Bijan Robinson out on the left side and Rashawn Johnson out on the right side and no no backs. And I was like, what is going on here? So um, and his elusiveness rating was 198. Was yep. was like 40 points higher than the next guy, which Bijan Robinson. And so, so like this guy's a good runner. He, he's very good, and I dropped an article earlier this week uh, where we introduced the concept of our DGEN score. So metrics is the new hotness, right? Everybody wants to know, you know, how these players are metrically. So so I've been working over the course of the offseason trying to figure out, like, okay, what's what are some good indicators of running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks that have been successful at the next year? And what was their performance in college? What is the correlation? What things translate or are good indicators of future success in the NFL? And coming out in 2022, Roshan Johnson had the second highest production score. He actually had a better production score than B. John Robinson did, right? Now, I'm not saying he's a better running back than B. John Robinson. So don't don't look at that. This is just purely analytics. This isn't film film review. This isn't draft grades. This isn't landing spot, like all that other stuff that goes into play. It's strictly analytics. So 2022, he was the second highest. And in 2021, he was the fifth highest. Again, still better analytically than B. John Robinson was. So the the you know, I don't want to say the proof is in the pudding there, but the analytics are telling us that what we saw on film is real. That's a legitimate running back that we have going off in the fourth round to a situation that could really be his halfway through the season. Yeah, and when I was at the combine, I you know I got to talk to some of the beat reporters and and other you know, other people that were at the the media session, and they were talking about like teams view him as a starter. Then Lance Zerlein and, and and Bucky Brooks were talking about it. Teams view him as a starting running back, and yeah, like he's he's a bigger dude. He's more your old school power runner. He's not as dynamic as you know uh, Tajay Spears, but the you know the injury just scares me off a little too much. Um, my 16, 17, 18 is I have Jonathan Mingo, Rasheed Rice, Michael Michael Mayer, Tajay Spears, Tank Bigsby, and so my rankings were really put to the test this morning and. I tried to do what we talked about, Brad, and I tried to trade back. Nobody was having it. Yeah, no, it was tough. Well, and so, and then I, I eventually, you know, I, I made a trade, but I, I got, I traded into the draft. I, I took Rasheed Rice, and part of it was not like I don't always go with my rankings. Sometimes I'm going to go play the ADP game. So if I have Rasheed Rice at 17, and I have Ty J Spears at 19. <laughs> but I think I can draft Ty J Spears now and get Rasheed Rice at the turn. I might do that. And so I took Rasheed Rice, not because I was, yeah, there's, there's thought about it, but I, I took Rasheed Rice today because of that. And I think that the guy that I want is going to be there at the turn. We'll see that I might be on the clock right now as we speak, 
Um, but, but yeah, it was, uh, it it was interesting because Rice is someone that I saw go at the 110 in a draft yesterday. What are your thoughts about Rasheed Rice in the first round? Uh, Yeah, that ain't happening. Uh, Look, there are still a lot of options there, and Rasheed Rice is not this explosive athlete, alpha kind of mentality. He does bring something to the Kansas City Chiefs that they currently do not have. I get that. But they still have Kadarius Toney. They still have Sky Moore, first-round draft pick last year or two years ago. They still have MVS in that deep threat. They still have Travis Kelsey. Like, I just don't know that he's going to carve out this alpha role because it just doesn't fit right now. I I just don't see it. I know he garnered a ton of targets and 1,300 plus yards in his last season at SMU. It's just not something I see necessarily translating at the next level. Now, do I think he's going to be a productive player for the Kansas City Chiefs? Yes, I do. I just don't think Patrick Mahomes is that guy that is going to hyper-target anybody anymore at this point right now. So um, yeah, unless I'm not Travis. spending a first-round pick on that, for sure. Unless your name's Travis. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I've got him at 22, if that kind of gives you an idea of kind of where I am with Rasheed Rice. Um, what, you know, I've got you- him behind Jonathan Mingo. I've got him behind Josh Downs. Um, I, I am probably – well – you're plus nine on a couple guys. Roshan, you had Kendra Miller, I think, was plus nine. Uh, you got Rasheed Rice at plus nine from ECR. Uh, the guy I've got that's probably plus nine from ECR is Cedric Tillman. Um, and this is not Brown's fandom. This is, to me, the fact that Amari Cooper is going on his age 30 season. They can get out from underneath his contract next year. I think Cedric Tillman is extremely underrated because of recency bias. People see the injury and they're like, ah, oh, crap. Okay, yeah, no, we're going to push this guy back a little bit. When in reality, he was the better wide receiver out of him and Jalen Hyatt when they were both on the field. Well, and so, I I mean, I might have to make things right here because now I'm really sad that I'm low on Marvin Mims. And I just, I don't know if I could I could sleep tonight. If I'm, I have I'm, him at 23. If I'm six points lower than the consensus on Marvin Mims because yep. – I want to talk about Marvin Mims, but before I do, I want to talk about Tank Bigsby. He's, you know, an interesting guy. He got pretty good draft capital, but he went, you know, in the John Jacksonville, which is a great offense, but he's with Travis Etienne, doesn't expect to be, you know, buried on the roster, but definitely doesn't expect to be the lead guy. What are your thoughts there with Bigsby being, you know, you're using a, a mid-second round pick on him? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because of what we know about Doug Peterson and Doug Peterson's never been a guy that leans completely on one running back. Um, So yeah, I do think tanks, tank Bigsby is going to get a decent amount of run this year. I think they saw Travis Etienne start to break down a little bit. I think they didn't use him in the receiving game as much as what they maybe have wanted to or had desired to last season. So I do think that we see a little bit more of a, uh, a little bit more of a ground and pound from Tank Bigsby, a little bit more of that explosive outside running pass catching from Travis Etienne that you're ultimately going to be, I think you're going to like both of these guys. And we've talked a little bit about it before where teams are going more to the dual backfield kind of mentality and whatnot. So, um, you know, do you fade Travis Etienne? Do you fade Tank Bigsby because of that? I, I don't think so. I don't know that anybody thought Tank Bigsby was going to a, to, to a backfield that he was going to dominate, right? We knew, hey, this is a runner. He's probably the best, one of the better pure runners in this draft class, which I think is going to be really nice for that Jacksonville offense, but it's also going to open up receiving options and opportunities for Travis Etienne. So. Yeah, and I think everyone needs to take the ECR with a little bit of a grain of salt. Not everybody's updated their rankings. And so, like, you see Hennon Hooker right there. I'm 12 points. I'm 12 below. Like, does that mean people have Hennon Hooker at five? Like, I don't, I, I'm missing something here. I have oh, him no, at no. 18, no, so they, I'm 11 higher than you. They have him at seven, never mind. They have him at 17, I have him at 29. So, yeah. um, it's just, I don't, I don't think he's still at 17 with where, you know, where they, you know, but maybe. Um, 
But uh, the reason I want to talk about Marvin Mims is Sean Payton. So, Brett, I'm going to name some some players, and if you've been playing fantasy football longer as long as I have, you're going to know who I'm talking about. Lance Moore. Oh, yeah. Oh. Devery Henderson. Yep. Brandon Cooks. Sean Payton has always had a guy like this on the roster. And Marvin Mims gets to be that guy over there for the Denver Broncos. Yes, they have Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. I don't think they care too much for Cortland Sutton. Yeah, they got Dulcich over there. But they also got a, a guy that's going to do a lot of the things that he was doing in Seattle with the run and the play action. And this is going to be your deep threat guy. And so, yeah, Marvin Mims is probably not going to be a target hog, and he's probably not going to get 10 targets a game. But he's probably going to get 100 air yards per game, minimal. I, I mean, minimal. I, yep. it's, he might, he get, might get 100 air yards in the first quarter. Um, he's going to get some bombs thrown at him. And I, I like the spot here. I think Marvin Mims is going to be a fun player. And he has one of the best ball tracking and deep ball skills in the league. And so not yes, that's, that's a skill. Like it's very, it's very difficult to catch the ball deep down the field, especially when you got safeties coming down on you, wind, all this, all the other factors that come into that. So I just, I love Marvin Mims there. And uh, I, I really do, you know, I really do think he's going to be, a, you know, he's evaluating your drafts. He's coming in right around, right around this spot in your drafts. He's not getting drafted at 16. He's getting drafted in 2021, 20, 22, end of the second round. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely right now. But like, as I look at my rankings, the, you know, I'm starting to question myself a little bit right now, right? We're still trying to process everything. It's, it's not even three days after the NFL draft. We have no information other than draft capital. Um, but is he really behind Rasheed Rice? Is he really behind Jonathan I, I mean, Mingo? listen, I, I'm, like, I'm going to – We are definitely projecting Jonathan Mingo, right? Like, definitely projecting. Yeah. So – and we've got Marvin Mims, who we really liked and had above Jonathan Mingo in our pre-draft rankings, going to – a premier location with a premier head coach, a quarterback that we've seen produce top 12 wide receivers in the past, especially wide receivers of his caliber and his size, AKA Tyler Lockett and Sean Payton, who you just explained plenty yeah. of opportunity with these smaller guys. And so I think he's going to end up a little bit higher for me now. I, I think he might end up higher with me. What, what really would do it for me if they would just, just trade Cortland Sutton. And yeah, that, that would yeah. do it for me because Tim yeah. Patrick's there. Greg Dulcich's there. You're going to have the running backs catching the ball. And so Marvin, you know, Marvin Mims luck likely is not going to do as much this year, more next year, but I just, I like him. And I know yeah. I'm higher on, on Jaden Reed than you are, but I think Jaden Reed is going to be a very good compliment to, to Christian Watson. Uh, he's, he does different things than Christian Watson does. You have Romeo Dobbs out there, who's kind of a sneaky play, and uh, and then you got the tight ends there, and Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave. They 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 do not have the you know that's a pretty sneaky little uh, receiving room they've put together pretty quick over there in Green Bay, and uh, I think Jaden Reed is one of those players that um, when preseason hits, people see him on the field. A lot of people just didn't see it because this year was just so bad. Michigan State was like, you turn it off at halftime. That was just really crappy football. But uh, Jaden Reed, he, he's one of those guys that can really, uh, really be a catch and run specialist. Then Chase Brown gets a very interesting spot, and so does Dwayne McBride. And I see that I'm super high on Dwayne McBride. And uh, McBride is just again like I I have McBride there because I'm projecting Dalvin Cook to get traded. I think he's out of town. And Dwayne McBride will be, you know, the Robin to Alexander Madison um, over there or whatever you want to call it. Um, and if not, then, you know, I'm wrong and I'll, I'll adjust. But if Cook's out of town, McBride's going to move up and I'm going to draft him a little earlier, expecting that to happen. And either way, he's going to be out of town here soon. McBride is one of the better runners in this class. And if he's, you know, if he gets 
opportunity, he can produce. Um, maybe it's not as much in the passing game, which Alexander Madison's pretty good in the passing game, pretty good in pass protection. But McBride is he's he's a good runner. I asked him at the combine, who do you play your game after? And he was most almost every running back said they play their game after uh, Alvin Kamara, but he said Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> and uh, I like I, that. Um, so and you can see it. He's pretty nasty. Um, and speaking of, of nasties, Zach Evans, if you've seen his stiff arm, um, this guy, he's just likes to punch people in the face. Uh, he, he's, he's got a pretty nasty stiff arm. He went 26. He's in the Rams. The Rams have drafted a running back every single year under Sean McVay. Um, Eric Gray's there. Uh, you know, he's can, you know, he can be, he can catch, you know, catch passes. I like his receiving ability behind Saquon Barkley. You got the issue right now with Saquon and his contract. Eric Gray, you know, could be the beneficiary of what's going on over there. Saquon's also had some injuries. And so Eric Gray could be a very high value handcuff. He's someone that could be, you know, a, a best ball, you know, uh league winner if uh if something were to happen to Saquon. Um Luke Musgrave, I have him at three. Don't look, Brad. I got him at three. I'm a big fan of Luke Musgrave. Uh, I just I think the athleticism and his ability after the catch is better than some of the other players. And I know it said it's a little bit of a sneaky uh, room over there. I think there's a lot more mouths to feed over in in uh, Detroit and over in Las Vegas than there is over there with Green Bay. Um, he's you know there's a lot of unknowns and who's how the pecking order is going to be. Um, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's sucker craft, but I think Musgrave is someone with the upside. I'm going to swing for it. Um, and then you have Hennon Hooker, then Sam Laporta. So I went through my 20 through 30. What are your thoughts? Um, I like it. I mean, like I said, the, the, the one guy I'm going to be looking at and monitoring is going to be Zach Evans. Uh, it's going to be the situation with Joe Mixon for Chase Brown, right? Because, very much like you say, hey, you think Dalvin Cook may be out of town, which is why you have Debo McBride up here. Hey, look, Joe Mixon could get suspended for a significant period of time due to the off-the-field issues. And if he does, there is no Samaj P. Ryan. It's just Chris Evans and Chase Brown right now. So I think there's a world where Chase Brown really finds himself in a ton of volume, which we all know that Chase Brown can handle because the dude touched the ball over 300 times this year for the Fighting Illini. So I think he's one guy. The other guy that I've got to be, I'm paying a little bit more attention to is Luke Schoonmaker. I started to rise on him, Dave, you know this, in pre-draft. He ended up being in my top five tight end rankings. He was the number five tight end taken off the board. Uh, and now he's in a really good situation in the Dallas Cowboys that I want to hear the news that he's going to be the guy. He beats out Peyton Hendershot. He beats out Jake Ferguson. That's what I need to see, and he's going to move a little bit higher in my rankings. Right now he's at 33 for me, but I could see that severely moving up the board into probably the mid-20s, um, you know, around, oh, God, I don't know, so the Sam Laporta territory for me right now, which is around 27. So, yeah, and and I got him at five, actually a little bit higher than the consensus. Uh, I, I'm a Michigan guy. I, I like Schoonmaker. I just, um, he's not going to be your A dot guy, and so like you're not going to see him catching balls 20, 30 yards down the field. He's he's more of a, you know, low A dot guy. But if you're looking at a team that could pepper him with targets, Dallas could be it. And I like Laporta. Like I said, I have those guys all bunched up together. Um, and I probably should have Hennon Hooker above, you know, some of those day three running backs um, and sneak him into my top 24. But I'm just sad. I'm just sad. Yeah. I mean, if you – why, though? I, I And I get it. He dropped. He fell to the third round. The hit rate there is not great, right? The, the history is there for us. But we were – we were talking about the Lions for one of these guys all along. We said, oh, the Lions, Jared Goff, $32 million. They're going to draft somebody. He's going to, they're going to sit behind Jared Goff. That's a great situation. I mean, that's a pretty damn good situation for Hinton Hooker to sit behind Jared Goff. I realize the draft capital may not be there, but I mean, he may find himself as the starting quarterback for the Detroit Lions with Amon Ross St. Brown, with Jamison Williams, with 
Jameer Gibbs, with Sam Laporta, like a pretty potent offense and a legitimate offensive line. So I, I can't drop – I get it. Maybe he should be dropped in my rankings. Uh, I've got him at 18 right now. So what's ECR? 29, 17. So I guess I'm right on par with ECR, I guess, right now. So we'll see how that moves. Because like you said, it hasn't probably shifted the way that it should yet. But I just I, – I, we knew he was going to be in the second, third round because of the injury. Yeah, I've seen him go. I've seen him go anywhere from two hundred five, two hundred six to three hundred two, so he's in that range um, between yep. you know pick sixteen and 24, 26. Yep. So um, I took him at two twelve today. Yeah, and that's 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 a fine spot. Yep. Uh, let's go down a few more, and then we got a mock draft to go through, and then we're gonna get out of here. Um, right. Again, make sure you guys please like, subscribe, and ask any fancy football questions. We appreciate them. We appreciate any support. Um, and uh, Cedric Tillman at 32. Um, and and I honestly, I could probably move him up a little bit. You got a Schoonmaker. big difference. Yeah. Schoonmaker probably would move down. I'm a, I am I do like Tillman, and I don't know why I buried him so much. When, you, when I did my rankings, I did them position separate. And then and then I, they smashed together, and ECR kind of jumbled them up on me. Yeah, but uh, I do like Tillman, and I, I do think he's going to have a pretty good role over there. We don't know what Elijah Moore role is going to be, but you know Elijah Moore probably mans the slot. Tillman on one side, you got you know Cooper on the other, and then you got DPJ, you know, uh, you know going over the top. But Tillman is is a guy that you know um, really could be that possession guy, PPR guy, like a Robert Woods, um, and, and I like him. Yeah, the, there's some reports. There's some reports around them preparing. I'll say uh, to be just more of a pass-first offense, right? I mean, Nick Chubb's getting up there in age. So, what does that offense look like when Nick Chubb they decide to move on from him? Right? Um, he is a generational talent, in my opinion. He's one of the best running backs in the game. So you can't just replace him. So. Um, that's why I'm a little bit higher on him just because of kind of the, the insider reports around where the Browns see themselves in the next, you know, two years or so. So, yeah, then you have Josh Downs who, you know, this year, um, you know, we'll see, it's going to be a mixed bag. You could see Anthony Richardson week one, you could see Anthony Richardson week 18. Um, and then Gardner Minshew has been, you know, he's been good in his career. But he's also been, you know, a little inconsistent, a little careless with the ball. And uh, Josh Downs is maybe third on the team in targets. You know, um, Alec Pierce had pretty good target share last year. Michael Pittman's there. And then you have Josh Downs. Um, and I think he's going to be good, um, but I don't think he walks in anything. And then you just don't know what that offense is going to look like. And it could be a project for the first couple of years um, as far as the passing game on Anthony Richardson. Um, Abin Akano, um, he got buried behind, you know, uh, a really good, you know, really good player in Brees Hall. But then there's some other good players on that offense that I just don't know where he finds his role. You know, if he's the pass catcher there and, and Michael Carter's out of town, then that's cool with me. And, you know, decent value. But let's remember, it's Aaron Rodgers that's going to be throwing the ball, not Mike White. And, you know, Mike White was, you know, Michael Carter's best friend because – he was throwing Michael Carter the ball 17 times in one game. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. Well, I mean, and, we've uh, seen him high, and I'm not saying is he is anywhere near Aaron Jones, but we've seen him hyper-target running backs before. Yeah, so. and so that makes me excited for Brees Hall. Um, i just not as excited <laughs> for having Aconda. Right. But um, Kenny McIntosh at 35, you know, he's such an interesting guy because if McIntosh were to go somewhere – that really, you know, has like a JD McKissick type of a role. Like if McIntosh were to go and was the sidekick to Pacheco in, in Kansas City, that would have been fun. Um, you know, and he, his 40 time was pretty bad. Um, but he's graded out as one of the best pass catching backs in the league, you know, in the in the draft. And so um, I don't really know. We'll see what they do with him, but it's really DJ messy Allen. over there in Seattle. That's 
DJ Dallas was a pass catcher. It's, it, we've seen Pete Carroll do this time and time and time again, right? They had Chris Carson. They spent a first-round draft pick on Rashad Penny. Um, you know, they, they had – it's just – it's not surprising. It's just disappointing. Um, but Brad's getting the dad voice out. <laughs> yeah, right. He's yeah. not mad. He's just disappointed. That's that's right. Yeah. Uh, and then Deuce Vaughn, best draft moment. Um, his, you know, dad, whether you hate the Cowboys or not, that was cool seeing Deuce Vaughn's dad, Chris, um, call him and tell him that he's being drafted by the Cowboys. That was special. Yep. Um, you know, it's more than football. I'll say this, Brad. It was, uh, it was different watching the draft after I've met the players. I was like sad. Um, <laughs> like with like Rakim Jarrett and Keaton Mitchell, like not getting drafted. Zach Evans has fallen down the board. I'm telling yeah. my wife, like, man, you know, and she's like, yeah, like these guys, you know, they put their entire life into this and they're not, you know, and so glad to see those UDFAs, um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I like their UDFA squad with, um, picking up Sean Tucker and Rakim Jarrett. Yep. But UDFA life is is tough. There's only so many Victor Cruises. Yep. yep. Doesn't happen I, often. And I don't want to breeze over Deuce Vaughn. I do have a question, right? So you got Tony Pollard coming off an ACL. They bring in Ronald Jones, who is not a pass catcher. Deuce Vaughn is explosive and he's a pass catcher. So is there a role that he carves out because of Tony Pollard's injury? where they may be, and he's on a one-year deal, where, hey, Deuce Vaughn may end up being a catching guy and provide kind of a flex appeal on a week-to-week basis as as Tony Pollard works his way back from that ACL. Uh, I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. Um, you know, it's we talked about a little bit before the show, how many 190-pound running backs are walking around. Um, Brad, how many 160 pound running backs are running around? <laughs> yep, yep. None. And so, um, you know, is this guy going to be the next coming of Darren Sproles? That'd be, you know, that'd be fun to see. But Darren Sproles was still, you know, 20, 30 pounds more than this guy. Right. So yeah. um, it's going to be hard to see him have, you know, consistent fantasy production. We'll be a good football player, you know. Um, who's that? You know, the guy from the Eagles that always scores on the Giants? Kenneth uh, Gainwell. No, not Kenneth Gainwell. Um, oh, yeah. Um, um, yeah. Oh, why are, why are we drawing blanks now? Um, so, um, Michael Wilson to Arizona is a fun it's a fun pick. Uh, if DeAndre Hopkins were to leave town, Michael Wilson moves up. You got Marquise Brown, Rondale Moore, and Michael Wilson on that offense. I think it'd be interesting. Um, Tank Dell goes to Houston. And so does Xavier Hutchinson. Boston Scott. Yeah, Boston Scott. He still um, weighs 200 pounds at 5'6". Yeah. He's a yeah. bowling ball. So um, you got Nathaniel Dell and Xavier Hutchinson go to Houston. Again, they're trying to piece together an offense for C.J. Stroud. Um, what are your thoughts there with Dell and Hutchinson? Do you have them, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm six points higher, six points lower on these guys. I'm I'm low key liking what Houston has going on here with CJ Stroud. As uh, accurate as he is, Xavier Hutchinson is very good at moving the chains. Very good at moving the chains. Um, Nathaniel Dell, um, solid. They got uh, John Mechie coming and bringing some speed. I. I I think now look, I'm not saying they're top 15, top 10, top five offense, anything like that. But I do think some of these pieces can grow together as rookies, as first year players. If you think about John Mechie, even though he's he's not necessarily a rookie for all intents and purposes, he really is. So these guys can all sit and learn and grow together. And they really do have a good solid mix of of uh, talent among what all of these guys can do. And you add that solid core piece in Dalton Schultz in the middle of the field, just as that security blanket and leaning on Damian Pierce, leaning on the, on your defense. I think this could be one of those just 
grinded out kind of winsome games teams um, that we've seen, you know, even if you think about uh, Atlanta and the way they were able to grind out some wins because of the run game uh, and things like that. I think Houston might be able to do that with the addition of Will Anderson on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they're, they're building a, a solid team. And I, I, Xavier, look, Xavier Hutchinson's not giving you a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns or anything like that. But for him to be an undrafted free agent that you can throw into your taxi squad and then you sell on that one high game, I I do think that's a potential there for him uh, with a rookie quarterback and a young team. And and so then you got Kayshawn Boutte going here. And this, like, let's just talk about him for a second. He's a guy, fourth round flyer, end of the third round flyer that goes to the Patriots where this guy at one point was a top five rookie pick. And so, you know, don't get me wrong. Patriots are awful at drafting receivers, but this is just too good of a value to pass up this late. And now it's a good value in your drafts where like, I mean, this guy could end up being the, the best receiver on the, on the Patriots easily. Yep. I drafted him at three Oh four today. In a rookie draft, yeah. So let's uh, let's scroll down. I I got a couple more, and then uh, I want to show you this mock draft. Get out of here. Got to get at least one more in there. All right, there he is. There he is. Yeah, yeah. Just making sure. <laughs> I, I I had I had to move me make sure that Parker Washington was inside my my top uh, four rounds. Top fifty. <laughs> uh, and then um, you know I have DTR at forty three. And, you know, he wasn't the sixth quarterback off the board, but if there's any quarterback that's going to offer you any type of fantasy production if he hits the field, it's going to be DTR or Clayton Toon. They can run the ball, and they have, you know, the DTR especially has a big arm. So I think he's someone that could go out there and produce if he got called upon. He's going to have a long career in the NFL. A.T. Perry, I mean, he, he went to a decent spot in New Orleans. The draft capital stinks, but a pretty decent spot there. It's got, you know, you have Rashid Shahid, you have Chris Olave, A.T. Perry. I mean, he could get some, you know, targets pretty quickly. Will Mallory in Indianapolis was pretty sneaky. I thought, uh, you know, you can see I don't really, I'm not a big tight end guy. I got him all the way, he's my tight end six, but I got him all the way at 45. But he's he's got some good athleticism, and you put him there, um, you know, with those other tight ends, he's a lot different than them. Jelani Woods is, you know, he's your seam threat guy. He'll have a big game every once in a while or a big catch every once in a while, but he's not used consistently out and about in the routes. Will Mallory can run routes and he can be used out in the slot. He can use as a, as a weapon in the, in the red zone. So I think Mallory can easily, you know, find a way onto the field and take over that, that position there. Um, if there was one undrafted free agent that we could see actually doing anything, it's probably Sean Tucker. And he goes to Tampa Bay and a pretty, you know, pretty weak backfield behind Rashad White. And so um, Tucker just has the medical history and he's a little bit smaller back. And for a small, fast back, you think he could catch better? Doesn't. Um, and then, of course, you got it. You have Parker Washington. He's half Randall Cobb, half Golden Tate. And, uh, you know, he goes to Jacksonville, which is it's a fun spot on a fun offense. And, you know, you just hope that he's he's used uh, in a way that's going to make him successful, probably uh, develops a little bit year one. And then, you know, when they, you know, when Zay Jones is out of town, maybe he gets, uh, gets some more playing time next year. It, yeah, he's, uh, look, he's that UDFA not from an NFL draft perspective, but from a dynasty perspective um, that I, I'm okay spending my last third round pick or an early fourth on him. And the main reason is there is nobody on that team that with this yards after the catch skill set, right? Calvin Ridley is that technician. Christian Kirk is the down the field guy. Um, Evan Ingram is the same guy, Travis Etienne's underneath. But when you want that yards after the catch, this is a guy that can catch, can break a tackle and break a big one. And I think if he is able to show that early, it's going to buy him a little bit of opportunity in three wide receiver sets. And that's what I want to see. 
I think the opportunity could potentially be there because if you think about it, look, we all hope Calvin Ridley returns to form. The dude's been out of football for two years. It wouldn't be crazy to think that he's not going to be the Calvin Ridley of the Atlanta Falcons. It's not outside of the realm of possibility. And Christian Kirk is still not an alpha style wide receiver. I just think Parker Washington might be able to bring a little something. I'm not saying go spend a late second or a super early third, even though I paid the 305 for him today. Um, I, I think it's a guy that looking in the back end of the third or the early fourth, you're looking for that opportunity. You're looking for a guy that can, that can hit, right? Is Puka Nakua going to hit? I'm not taking anybody on the Rams right now. <laughs> like, I'm just not going to, right, because of the team. So, I, But I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are an up-and-coming team that I want to see the assets, and it helps that I graduated from Penn State. So, <laughs> All right. Well, um, I appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Uh, it's fun going through the rankings. Uh, and talking through them a little bit with Brad, because, you know, maybe I might make some adjustments myself. But if you have any rookie uh, questions, any fantasy football questions, let us know. We're always talking football. We're always mock drafting. On our Discord channel, we actually have a mock draft channel. You can come over there. We're going to share the results to drafts. We're also going to be inviting you to some private drafts. So go check it out. And, uh, you know, Brad, let's get out of here. As always. Good luck this season.